Hello, this is Stage 666 Podcast. I'm Nathan, a horror newbie. And I'm Alex, a resident horror movie buff. And this is the podcast where I have Nathan watch my favorite scary movies so we can talk about them. What did we watch today? Today we watched Quarantine from 2008. So this movie is about Jennifer Carpenter playing a reporter, Angela Vidal, who's shooting a story on firefighters in a fire station in Los Angeles. Uh, we end up going on a ride along to an apartment building, and that's where we end up spending the rest of the movie. Did you like the movie? Not quite. I was not a fan of this one. Can't say I was. I liked this movie when it first came out, uh, which was a long time ago. I did not realize it was over 10 years ago, but I really liked it when it came out. It's bad. It is not a good movie. I still like it though. Yeah, I saw it once uh, when I was a kid, probably maybe 12 or 13 at a slumber party. It was terrifying back then. Watching it now, I think my expectations were a little bit high. So when we ended up rewatching it, I think there were some parts that were a little creepy and a little freaky, but definitely not as scary as I remember. Oddly enough, if I had to pick any part of this movie I like the most, I'd probably have to say the middle, the second act, which is weird because it's usually gonna fall in the third act for me. This one, I think, really slow beginning and the end was just, I feel like, kind of insufferable. <laughs> I'll be honest, I like Jennifer Carpenter as an actress. I've liked her in a lot, but she's kind of really hard to watch in this movie. She's not a good journalist. In the in the beginning of the movie, she's awkward and she's clumsy and she's hard to watch and she doesn't have any chemistry with anybody except for maybe the camera guy who has way more patience with her throughout the movie than I think anybody else naturally would. True. I think that she spends maybe 10 to 15 minutes of the first part of the movie just flirting with firefighters and it's not Badly. even- Badly. They're not interested. The chief of the fire station looks like the most uncomfortable human being I've ever seen in a social interaction. I mean, I'm pretty sure he just wanted to fuck her though. He offered to- I don't think so. They were making the bet, $100. That wasn't wasn't the fire station. I'm talking about the guy when she uh, was talking about the pole. Uh, Well, yeah, the guy with the mustache was the one that made the bet. Also a different guy. Oh, a lot of the firefighters had mustaches. (laughs) Shows how much you paid attention. Did you notice when she's introduced to the rest of the firefighters in the cafeteria, there's a giant bowl of peanuts? I think they're peanuts. That one of the firefighters is just cracking. See, I wasn't sure if those were peanuts or potatoes that? or, yeah. Were they, oh, they were probably potatoes. Making like mashed potatoes fuck? or something. There was a lot of them. And I mean, the guy was so proud of it too. He like flashed them to the camera. They did a little tour. So that was basically 15 minutes of movie, basically doing a tour of the fire station. I'll be honest. And I think cringing at every interaction she has. It was pretty terrible. I think the firefighters actually did a really good job if that wasn't scripted for how they presented everything. I think if this was a real interview. Do you think they it did... wasn't scripted? Well, I mean, I know it was scripted. But I'm saying hypothetically, if she just showed up and was like, tell me about what you do at Fire Station, I think they did a good job. So as far as their interviewing skills, I'd give them a solid 9 out of 10. Her interview skills, maybe a 3. Oh, awful. Yeah, her, she was terrible. I wrote five different times that she's annoying. Yeah, that was literally, I mean, without getting too far into it, the third act I just had entirely of her screaming, crying, and panting. That was basically how I described <laughs> it. So, and then in the beginning, she was just like giggling the entire time through the first like act of the movie, just excited. I mean, to be fair, apparently this was her dream to be a firefighter growing up. So she was super giddy to be there, which I appreciate, but. Especially if you're someone who's seen the original, you know she's going to die. 
sorry for spoiling, you know she's going to die the whole movie, but maybe about halfway through you really start to want it. See, Like yeah. you want it and you want it to happen on camera. <laughs> right. I, at that point, I'm happy when it finally dies. That was probably my favorite part of the movie. I think that was where I was like, finally, it's done. It's over. It's literally the last three seconds. Ten minutes into this movie, you look at me and you go... Is this found footage? Nathan, we're doing a found footage episode. Yeah, I somehow it forgot that. And it wasn't until like the fifth shaky scene that I remembered. And if it wasn't mentioned before, I am not a fan of found footage in general. I think if I go to see this a movie, I want to see... This whole podcast was just designed to get you to watch my favorite found footage movies. Basically, that that is what it was. And when it comes to found footage, I can't see what's going on half the time. There were like five different parts of this movie where because the cameraman just doesn't know how to hold a camera, I just didn't know what was going on. People were running in all directions. And I, I can appreciate like from an <laughs> effect hour in she's searching in a desk for something and he's supposed to be shining light on her and he's oh, literally God. just zooming in and out wild dude his thumb <laughs> was just stuck on the zoom it was like i was gonna throw up it felt like what is that movie hardcore henry hardcore henry reminded me of that movie hardcore henry so after we finally get through the interviews, we finally get on to get the interviews. Jesus, they yeah. last longer every time I watch the movie. Insane. So after we get through the interviews, we end up moving on to the actual call. They've described before that most of their calls are going to be medical, so we have the Did impression. You know what this call was? Not immediately, they just basically say we're on our way. Um, they do mention in the ride to it that it's going to be medical most likely, which you can appreciate in a fire station, you would expect them to fight fires. But apparently most of their calls are medical. So we get there, we start going to the apartment. They're letting, I don't even remember who this guy is, but apparently he's the one that called. No one else is involved with this, just an old guy who's directing them to the apartment. he's the landlord. Possibly, that would make a lot more sense. But basically he directs them to there and then they walk in bust down the door and the lady standing in the middle of the living room this is when we see kind of the first thing that's a little off which i think is unethical to allow the camera crew into her home but we're gonna roll with it. yeah i was not a big fan i also if we can rewind just for a split second i love how the second they get there the cop explains to them that hey you if i tell you to stop recording you're gonna stop recording Take everything you hear me take everything he tells that them was... to stop recording at least 30 times oh at least but i just like how he tries to set that rule like hey you're not like, gonna mm -hmm. record what i want you to record mm -hmm. and yeah of course they'll agree they're like yeah no problem man <laughs> and then they also of course have the trope in the movie you're not recording right and then they just lower the camera for like five minutes they're like nah man it's they off they do that so many times in this movie where he just lowers it and the person who asks them to stop recording is like oh okay cool man thanks he's like thank you i appreciate you respecting my boundaries and then he raises it immediately and nobody notices even though that camera we even see the camera at one point it's not a small camera oh no it's huge it's, it's, it's an interview camera i don't know a journalist he camera someone to death with that camera he does i do appreciate a good camera smash i'm always about that especially if it's in a found footage movie i feel like it's kind of cliche but you gotta have it it's like bear traps and horror movies in the woods to me like it has to be there Mm -hmm. So if a character is running through the woods, you need a bear trap. And if there's a found footage movie, you need to hit something with the camera. Yeah, at least. The blood splatter on the lens. Oh, that's that's just you got to have it. <laughs> so moving forward, we get to the apartment complex. They run upstairs. They see this lady. She attacks them, kills what? Two people. At least maims no, one of them, kills the other. I think she just maims that guy. And then someone falls off of the stairwell for no like apparent reason. Yeah, because they basically have the second firefighter 
firefighters stay upstairs after they dome that old lady and later he just falls off the it's a fun fall yeah no i appreciate that so the smacking sound that he makes when he hits the ground is actually really satisfying honestly i'm gonna edit that in i can appreciate that See, I'm not a huge fan of the body gore, so seeing bodies fall from staircases always makes me cringe. I can't help it. That's just something that like makes me just, ugh, every time. I can think of at least three movies just off the top of my head that's used that, and you cringe so hard every time. Because bodies shouldn't hit grounds like that. No, they shouldn't. <laughs> and they use, um, and the, if they do it right, the way they bounce, it's just not... There is that one infected person after the old lady, like right after, they decided to go back into the apartment for some reason by themselves. Right. And there is an infected person that runs at them, hits the wall, bounces off the wall, hits the vase, falls off the vase, hits the floor, and then the fireman comes up and pronounces her dead. That's true. I figure they think that she was attacked by the old lady and then she basically- She took herself out. Yeah, practically. I think she was bleeding from the neck. I think her th like throat was ripped. That was the most comedic death of the whole movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I feel like with her though, after they come upstairs, they basically are like, okay, so I think we're good here. They have two bodies. And can we talk about how, again- That guy still isn't dead. The firefighter still isn't dead though. He's holding on. Oh yeah, no, they, he's still alive. But then Angela, that's I think her first part where she starts to snap because as they start to go down the stairs, she's like insisting on reviewing the she camera footage. <laughs> She's like, show me. You need to show me what we just got on the camera. And I know. And Scott is like, shit. Okay. You can see it. Fine. Yeah. So then she basically snaps a little there. And then I think it just kind of goes downhill from there as far as her sanity. You can like see her start to shake and then going forward. It's just every scene. She wakes a little bit more. I don't know if she was going for Sally from the first Texas Chainsaw. Although I will argue that she screamed too much as well. But she does it. <laughs> We didn't realize who that actress was until about halfway in the movie. And then she starts screaming. And then we realized that she played in White Chicks. And we only recognized her screaming from her being like, throw Shamu back in the ocean. <laughs> Somebody throw Shamu back in the ocean. What? So, yeah, no, it was pretty great seeing her scream. And then after a little bit after that, that's when the CDC starts to show up and no one is helping the situation, especially the cop. Everyone's trying to calm people down. The firefighter finally does it, but the cop is basically yelling at everyone that we're all trapped in here together as they start to realize the CDC's <laughs> closing them in. He's like, yeah, this will reassure them. We're all stuck in here together. We can't get out. <laughs> That's, that's clearly going to calm the crowd. Excuse. He's always looking for an excuse to escalate the situation. Oh, constantly. He drew his gun on the firefighter at one point when they go upstairs <laughs> just because he's telling him to calm down. He screams at him to shut up repeatedly just so that he can like think for a second. Like it's all about him. <laughs> no one in this movie is handling themselves well. Except for Scott, who has the calmest, steadiest breaths I have ever heard. He's just so calm. You never hear his breathing on camera. Oh, absolutely not. Like, I mean, as a cameraman, I think he takes his job very professionally. That's another thing, too, is that throughout the movie where people are, like, constantly needed to be doing things and lifting things and opening doors, Scott's like, 
hey guys, do you mind getting this? I got the camera, my hands are full right now. Can you totally like go grab this? He never hands the camera off, I think until the very end of the movie, maybe, and that's not even by choice. So he's just gonna clutch onto the camera throughout the entirety of the movie. It reminds me of what is that uh, game, Outlast, where all you have is the camera. We're, we're basically Scott and Outlast. We're so. Scott and Outlast. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanna say one thing, the vet, says he's a veterinarian and he says the only way to test for rabies is through a brain sample. So it's true that like rabies doesn't come up on a blood sample, but you can still test rabies through saliva and urine. So I like to imagine that at his practice, every time someone's like, I think my dog has rabies. He's just taking parts of their fucking brain. That's fair. Yeah, probably just putting them down a little bit with that drill. Did you see that drill scene though? How deep <laughs> do you need to get into the brain to check oh for God. rabies is my question. Because I feel like there was he like an extra in. three inches that were unnecessarily drilled. He, dra he drilled all the way in. There was a point where you could tell he drilled into the guy's brain and he just kept going. Yeah, exactly. He started the drill and you're like, okay, that's reasonable. You hear him hit the skull. You hear him break through the skull. You're like, okay, got into the brain that's fine and then he goes and then he goes and you're like dude okay stop it stop it stop it <laughs> that cop are we sure that cop's a real cop you know he has unlimited handcuffs are we sure he's not a stripper i thought that at one point handcuffs the guy in the room they handcuffed the lady to the stairs at least one other guy that's in the we room handcuffed with the CDC judith guy. from two and a half men who i love that actress by the way i didn't realize that was judith yeah she plays the neurotic stressed out woman very well she does it in everything i love that no i'm all about that that firefighter is the true mvp he is the one that deserves he took out to like survive. half the freaking apartment complex with his fists a hammer and some and his shoes like, those hammer just, scenes were pretty intense he was smashing everything oh yeah and like that old lady from what i remember i thought she was alive so much longer Nah, he just yoked her he pushes her out of the yeah. room and just smashes her head and that's the first time well, i guess they maybe sledgehammers prior to the uniform but there were two old ladies in this movie. There was the scariest old lady in the world who would hide around corners and then scream at us every time we saw her. And then the chillest infected person ever. In the end, when they're running past the landlady, she's infected and she's just standing there staring at them. She doesn't even chase them. Also, the lady that they bring out of her apartment, who's like the freaking grudge or whatever, watching the static from Poltergeist. Oh, and, and she's like making this noise that cats make when they don't want to go to the vet. Yeah, just like... <laughs> and they end up bringing her all the way downstairs. I don't think she's starts to like get fully infected for 10 to 30 more minutes of the movie and yet at the other time literally that girl was chilling for half the movie and then just freaks out and bites her mom yeah so that is another thing is that some people will turn almost instantly but there was that little girl who was infected the entire time in the movie apparently her mother said that she had like a fever for like a week they took their dog to the vet because he was sick first like she was infected for a very long time and didn't turn for a very long time time i call bullshit there maybe it's because she was younger i call a tad bit of bullshit right there she didn't turn until the light was i think the light is like the big trigger for everybody in the movie that's because right. of the rabies yes the rabies also can we talk about how the vet identifies it as rabies makes it very clear it's rabies and then the cop, yeah yeah he's like look at our <laughs> look at this woman see how this is clearly rabies and she's like rocking back and forth barely they able lose to... that old lady she attacks the people long before that room becomes compromised which uh -huh. means at some point they just let her walk out oh yeah absolutely and the cop ends up talking to the CDC at one point and he's like, no one said anything about rabies. And the vet's like, 
I did. I literally said it's rabies. <laughs> he made that very clear. And then also, can we talk about how when the CDC comes in, the cop takes the lead and is just like, yeah, no, everything's fine in here. I've been uh, setting the perimeter. I've been making sure everything's clear. Like walks them in and takes the lead on that when he's been the most ridiculous person in the room. He completely changes character. He starts insisting that the Scott has the right to record even though he's been insisting he turned the camera off for the last hour. Yeah, I feel like he was very wish-washy. And then, okay, so if we fast forward just a little bit, we get kind of to the middle of the movie where they realize, hey, we gotta get to the basement because the basement has a drainage pipe and that'll get us out of here. And Yuri apparently has the keys. So they need to get to Yuri's room, which is on the third floor. So we get to this point and they is basically- Is the third floor or are they going to the attic? So they have to go to the third floor because they go downstairs they get to the mailboxes to find out which apartment they live in right. they live in the third floor so they got to take the elevator apparently the elevator is auxiliary so it's supposed to work even though the electricity is out but they only make it to the second floor don't understand why the elevator stops working but it does well it's because angela loses her shit and just crawls out of the elevator yeah i <sighs> that was so annoying instead angela of just letting was... our fireman handle it with his fists like he's so good at and his hammer. I mean, he took and he didn't have the hammer anymore at that point. I don't know. I don't know what happened to the hammer. I mean, they open the elevator. He gets the dog with the hammer. I think it was and just the hammer just disappears. Yeah, I don't understand. I think the elevator was just too much, too small of a space for him to be swinging a hammer. I guess, but he was like hitting people in the throat with that thing. Oh my god, and stuff. he was, was scary intense. with that hammer. Angela screamed about being bit for way too long. No, that was like, insane. She like, screamed like she expected that scene to be cut significantly and it wasn't. No, not at all. I think they were like, no, this is good. Leave it in. Because she literally starts thing. screaming right away and the guy's like, no, you are not bitten immediately. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. I saw it. They didn't get you. You didn't get bitten. Come on. And not only that, can we talk about how that- She's really coming unhinged. Oh, She's absolutely. She's really, really coming unhinged. Yeah, she, again, third act was just her panting, screaming, and crying. That was the entire description I can give you because that's all it was. There was like three minutes. No, no, no. Honestly, probably like 10 minutes altogether if you cut it out of the movie of her just whining and screaming at people about how she can't do this anymore. you're gonna say 10 minutes where she's not whining and screaming? <laughs> no. I mean, maybe, maybe. Okay, that's probably more fair and accurate to describe, but like literally just the movie focused on them. Them By not the time moving they get forward, them not going anywhere, just her crying. By the time they get upstairs and they find the source of the infection and they're surrounded by all those mice and stuff she's fucking beside herself oh my god i know she looked like a girl going through a haunted house for like the first was time was she aware they were filming the movie like was she aware that this this was scripted she was aware this was happening that day right at one point i was wondering if they just kind of sent her in there without telling her what was going on because like, did, they, did they tell her like have you ever seen wreck and she's like no and they're like okay well you're just gonna play a journalist quick extra role just gonna ha shoot some quick journalistic scenes, then you're gonna go home. Because I mean, this set, but it was a fully functioning apartment building set with like multiple floors and everything. Fair. They might have checked her. Maybe, I believe it. And it was shot in chronological order. As opposed to? Well, usually in movies, they'll shoot the scenes out of order. They didn't. Interesting. But um, also each scene was only about like four to five minutes long. 
which they seem way longer. When you watch the movie, it seems pretty continuous, but it's not. They're very short scenes. That makes a lot of sense because they do transition to other things. That kid at the end smacks the camera out of their hand. Yeah, and okay. breaks we... the light. And we get the most frustrating part of the movie, which is watching Angela try to move around in the fucking dark. Oh my God. I know. They get to the uh, attic and they already talked about how- They hate was... to see her when her power is out at her house. Oh my God. It's screaming immediately. Like, keep the camera on me. Keep the camera- Like, not even letting him, <laughs> the guy with the flashlight, go first. She was like, no, I need to walk in front of you so the light can be on me. Not that I need to see where I'm going. I need to be able to see myself. And that was like her whole thing. It was so annoying. And then I guess at the end when that thing is just wandering through the room and she's like trying to stay quiet and everything. They're trying to get out. And it doesn't make any sense the angle how they shot it when the thing attacks her and she falls and then she's like trying to crawl away. That was such like a cliche of her getting dragged away at the very end. Why can't she just be quiet? And Doug was... Jones slapped the shit out of her. We got a Doug Jones sighting. <laughs> Doug Jones is gonna fuck him up and totally eats Scott's like neck. And that's what ended up triggering her to start screaming. And half the movie, they were like, we need to be silent. There was one part where the firefighter- yeah, The trick is silence. Were... So Angela dies horribly, terrifyingly, and some would say deservingly. Agreed. What are you gonna say about the firefighter? I was just gonna say that the firefighter, when they just before they head to the attic, is like, okay, guys, game plan we here. We need to be quiet. We gotta make it down three flights of stairs. We need to stay tight. We need to stay quiet. We need to stay strong. I don't know. They open the door. Angela runs this way. Scott stays over here. The firefighter tries to grab Scott. Everything breaks apart. They get attacked and then immediately start screaming. They were just not good at following directions. Agreed that they all die deservingly. Yeah. I think the the happiest I was though is recognizing Doug Jones and his, his fucking 12 inch long fingers. I'm like that's Doug Jones for sure. <laughs> so creepy. I didn't know who Doug Jones was, but after seeing his work, I am not a fan. I do not like like long creepy guy who likes to attack and eat people. What would you give it? Uh, see, I know it doesn't deserve the rating I'm going to give it, but I'm probably going to give it a two and a half out of five for mostly probably nostalgia points and Doug Jones points. I can appreciate that. I would probably give it a one for me, maybe a one and a half. Also, the scene that really boosts it for me is when Judith from Two and a Half Men is, I'm not good at names, is handcuffed to the stairwell and that door goes down and all of the zombies come and get her. Yeah, That's the at vet. least a half point bump for me. I respect that. I thought that scene was pretty cool. It definitely made me think of zombies in a mall vibe with the sliding down door. But overall, I would say 1.5 for me. All right, fair enough. Well, next up, Cloverfield. Right now, we just got done watching Cloverfield from 2008. Want to give us a brief synopsis? So Cloverfield is a found footage film. It follows HUD, Jason, Elaine, Lily, and Rob as an alien invasion ravages New York during Rob's going away party. He's going to go to Japan. Yes. Did you like it? I feel like when I first watched it, I might have been a slight fan. I saw this a long, long time ago when I was a kid, probably when it first came out. 
Watching it again as an adult, I absolutely was not. <laughs> how many how many times have you watched this? Because I know I've had you watch it with me at least once before. Because every time we watch it, you don't like it. And I'm like, no, 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 next time you'll like it. Next time you'll like it. <laughs> you making me watch it with me. Yeah, and I feel like I like it even less every time <laughs> I watch it. So <laughs> I like it so much. It's my favorite found footage. It got me into found footage. You don't like found footage in general. Um, does it make you sick? Does it make you a little nauseous? A little bit, especially in some of the scenes where they're going in the tunnels and they're running around. I do admit that it's a little dizzying at times. They had to put signs outside of a lot of theaters when it mm -hmm. came out warning people that they might get motion sick. Good. I mean, I would definitely <laughs> need to take some Dramamine before going to see this movie in theaters, I feel like. Especially on the widescreen and surround sound. I really enjoy this movie. Like Quarantine, it doesn't have any gore or music or anything like that until the very end in the credits. No, I feel like that definitely is a part of why it sets it apart, especially found footage in general. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan. That might be a part of it. There's no real atmosphere ambiance. Well, they they do have like a, a type of score. They add sound effects for when something big is about to happen, like the fluorescence will get really loud. And when you see them on the roof at the very end, I'm skipping it to the end. I don't fucking care. But when they're on the roof at the apartment complex at the very end, you can hear a lot of electricity and a lot of wind. Most of the score is just people fucking screaming. You know, I feel like that is effective to set a scene for horror. Screaming in the background is definitely unsettling to say the least. Everyone had to get in on the screaming. The producer, Brian Burke, he was the scene where the Statue of Liberty's head is rolling down the street. Uh -huh. He's the one who's screaming, oh my God. Really? Yes. I'm okay. getting a little ahead of us because I was just really excited to point that out because I don't remember his oh my god to be so disruptive. It's definitely one that kind of cuts through the scene. So I'll go ahead and start at the beginning. You were really, I had to pause the movie and explain to you what was going on with the scenes going back and forth. I understood. You couldn't tell the brothers they, apart. Well, I understood that it recorded over something, but I didn't quite understand why two different people had the camera. I assume ownership was, now I know the main character. You've seen this movie before. Yeah. I never paid attention a whole lot to the beginning and I never really had to analyze it. So I feel like this was definitely a little more of a critical eye when going in. It. Okay, look at me in the eyes and be honest with me. Could you tell Rob and Jason apart? Side by side, yes. Scene to scene, no. Every fucking scene with Jason in it, you were like, now why is Rob doing this? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I was not great with names throughout this movie. I knew Elaine, I feel like. That was the one that stuck with me, and that's because she has a pretty gnarly death. But other than that, I don't feel like I remember half of them. She I, had I know no Beth idea was what there she somewhere, I think, and maybe a Lily. Or... Lily, for some reason, her name, her and Beth are really the only people that stand out to me. So let's go ahead and start with the opening of this movie. It starts off Rob recording in New York City and him and Beth are like in bed together with the biggest bowl of strawberries I've ever seen in my life. They're eating maybe 30 strawberries in bed together before they decide to go to Coney Island. You know, I feel like 15 strawberries each is a reasonable amount Did of strawberries. Did you see that bowl of strawberries? It was a mixing bowl of strawberries, but I, I don't know. Maybe that was supposed to be some sort of symbolism. Strawberries? I don't know. I didn't make it. Design um, got a little excited. And HUD is, uh, Rob's friend is recording on the same tape that they recorded the Coney Island on. So it's kind of a back and forth a little bit. We even see at the very end when Beth and Rob are hanging out on the Ferris wheel together, you can see something falling out of the sky. See, I, I always feel like I hear that, but whenever I look for it, I can never find it. I'll show it to you it. later. Okay, we'll look for it. Because I see it. I look for it. But it's a big 
I mean, I know everybody has probably heard that fact already, but it's a big contention as to whether that's clover falling to the sea or if something else fell and woke up clover. What do you think? I feel like clover, if that's the name of the monster we're going with. It I is. The visual arts director gave it the name clover. We go by clover. Okay. Clover, I feel like to me, seems like an alien. Like, it seems like it's from space. It doesn't seem like something that came from the depths of the ocean, especially like the way it shakes off the other things. And I don't know if this is watching a movie like with meta knowledge or whatever you want to call it, but knowing the other clover fields technically and the other two in the semi same universe. They the are fact, the same universe. Well, no, but it's all tied together. And so I feel like they're aliens. Uh... I think it's been I think it's been pretty clear that they are not in the same universe and that Clover is not the same monster that's in the second one and the third one. So we're just talking about the first one anyways. I agree, but I still feel alien. You feel like he's out of space. Yes. I like to feel like Clover's was just sleeping in the ocean, <laughs> like less than a mile off of shore, hasn't been identified. Maybe. I mean, I feel like it's possible deep down, depending on how far like the meteor or whatever hit. I can see that. So we can move on in just a second, but first I just wanted to mention one more thing from the party about Lily that I couldn't help but notice this time, and I've never noticed it before. Lily invited Elaine to the party. Elaine didn't know anybody at the party. She didn't even know who Rob was. And yet Lily doesn't speak to Elaine once the entire party. She's not seen within 20 feet of her. She's the worst friend ever. Could you imagine being invited to someone else's party? You don't know anybody there and the friend who invited you just makes out with her boyfriend the entire time? Yeah, that's not ideal. I feel like that's not good hospitality. Lily, I am disappointed in you. She should have been acting better. I feel like Elaine did a lot because yeah she shows up and then they do the testimonial because they start going around with the camera and she literally says that she may have met him three times and um, then she was drunk she, each time <laughs> yeah she, <laughs> i feel like here she basically showed up to see lily say hi to rob and basically dip out and then ends up getting put kind of smack dab in the middle of everything yeah they find her in the street later and she said that it was eating everything yeah she looked super shook up you can see the most blank faced running extras okay the extras in the this movie are one thing I do have to say I think made some of the movie back up for me is how goofy some of them were. There was at one point a scene where they end up watching the film because they got on the recording Clover for like the first time and HUD ends up replaying the video for the crowd and all you see is some large man in a plaid shirt basically. Stiff arm running out. away. Yes like Naruto <laughs> running away. I loved it. But... I don't I don't even know if he was supposed to be on set that day. <laughs> he absolutely Absolutely was not having it. He did not want to believe what he saw on that camera. He, my favorite scene in the whole movie is the subway. I hated the subway. The sub sequence. Like I mean, I guess did it just scare you? That's like a baby. When I was little, it did scare me. Older, it I feel like was a smart choice to go in. Made sense to do it. I feel like the way they went about how the light and everything was, and like the night vision and everything. It's like why wouldn't you be using night vision from the beginning? Well, he wanted to share the light with the friends with the with the flat. I suppose that makes... in the subway is my favorite. Just asking if people know who Superman is and talking about homeless people ablaze. <laughs> HUD is annoying and that's what... No, I love HUD. <sighs> See, no, that scene is what originally made me start to get annoyed with HUD is him talking about like the murderer who's setting homeless people on fire <laughs> and like, well, could you imagine? Not setting the right scene for everyone else. Hey, do you guys remember a couple of years ago when that guy was lighting homeless people on fire in the subway? Jesus, HUD. What? Maybe not the best topic for conversation down here. Right. 
just can't stop thinking how scary it would be if a flaming homeless guy came oh, out of the dark right now. But ultimately, when they run into the end of the tunnel and the fighters, I guess, I don't know. What oh, the parasites? Well, they were called the parasites. They were uh, originally puppets, and then Matt Reeves said that, the director, he said that it was too goofy, so they had to CGI him up. I can appreciate that. I feel like they did look good in this movie when you get to see them. I feel like to have this scary effect where I wouldn't want to be caught by myself in a room with one of them. So I feel I like they did CGI accomplish that. aged very well for a movie that came out in 2008. For how old the movie is, absolutely. I feel like it's not necessarily any worse than some of the CGI I see nowadays, personally. Um, except is very forgiving. True. The scenes of Clover, I feel like, were not as She's well done. She's beautiful. Uh, the only Clover's scene... beautiful. The only scene that I thought they did a semi-decent job was when Hud is standing under Clover, up until Clover looks down. After Clover looks down, it's like, she looks goofy again. She's got I can't such excuse. pretty eyes. Like, if you look at Clover, she's got, like, cow eyes. <laughs> really pretty eyes. I will give you that. I want to There's a big, dark, round eyes, but... I would stay in the subway. I was mad at them for trying to get out of the subway. I'd fucking stay in the subway. Like, subways... Apparently, people were really upset that they were they got service in the subway, but that's actually... The subway would probably be the only place they'd be able to get service because they're lined with phone lines so if there's an emergency people can call services in the subway i just fucking stay there but what kind of subway just exits out directly into a department store yeah i was a little confused by that also the fact that they had to go get beth ultimately they had to leave the subway what? just leave beth just leave beth i mean oh my uh, god let her boyfriend take care of it I mean, fair. He was trying to. That's what he was doing. Like He's not her boyfriend. She showed up with her boyfriend to the party. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Ex-boyfriend was wanting to take care of it because he's still in love I with her. I don't even think they dated. I think they just slept together once. Well, they were gonna date, but then he decided not to because he said since he was moving to Japan, there wasn't a point starting a relationship, so... I know. I mean, she's rich. She could move to Japan. Did you see her apartment? She's like overlooking Times Square with this big spacious floor plan. And you see (laughs) Okay, I don't know if I'd call it spacious. Half of the room was missing because the building was toppled. I'm saying it was spacious. We saw the apartment in the beginning before they went to Coney Island. He was at her place. Okay. That was her place. Okay, I'll give it to you. So we saw it wrecked later, later, later. That's fair. Okay. That makes more sense. Because I was like, when we see it later, I feel like, yeah, they have a big open window and that's super the dream, but Clover helped redecorate. Is it the dream to have your all of your apartment totally visible from Times Square? Like, is that the dream? You know, really? I wonder who's looking. That's the question. Is like, who's spending the time to look into the individual apartments? That's someone who has too much time on their hands. <laughs> Um, they end up going to Beth's apartment and they have to climb that skyscraper basically and then kind of jump across to the other roof, shimmy their way down and then go get her through there. That wrought iron scene that were that. Ugh, that's rough. Yeah. Um, that rebarb scene that they end up having to rip her off with the rebarb was super rough. Like that was pretty gnarly. I would, I would not... just, I wouldn't do that. I'd be like, just leave me here. I... I'm just going to stay here. And then she looks outside. She's like, what is that? What, 
What yeah. does Hud say? Oh my god, he's like, that's that's just a terrible thing. It's just a terrible it's thing. It's just a terrible <laughs> thing. What is that? It's a, it's a terrible okay, thing. Let's go. And she's also pleading with them to not, like... The, I know. And they just end up lifting and just ripping her Just leave her, her there to die. That's it. what she wants. I would, I would accept that at that point. Because they end up getting out, and then she... They get to the soldiers, and then they have to get to the helicopter pad... And as they're taking off, because Lily goes in the helicopter before them, as they're taking off, we see a helicopter thrown to the ground and erupt in flames. I think that's Lily's helicopter, because there's no helicopter ahead of them when they're in the air. That's a really good point when you actually pointed out. I didn't actually think of that, but they were evacuating people. And I don't know how many helicopters they have. I don't imagine it's a million. So that's very plausible. The helicopter they just got on was the one that they see later on. That's fucked up. And then we we see uh, HUD. HUD dies. And he does show Clover pretty head on. And I know you said that you don't really like how Clover looked. I think she looked really good, especially for how CGI was in 2008. Fair. But um, they cut that scene from the movie and re-added it so many times. Really? Um, yeah. Why? They were really debating showing Clover head on and they ended up deci- deciding to do it. I'm glad they did because I think it's a really, it's a really iconic scene. That's that fair. That people really like. And I, I really feel like, like, especially with monster movies or alien movies, I feel like it's a really hard decision to show the alien or a lot of. It's tough. Yeah, so, it can be so disappointing. Yes. And I feel like in this case, that they did a pretty decent job of keeping it hidden at first. Didn't like that you saw it so much through the city. I think that's where the CGI and stuff started to not age well is Clover running through the streets basically. I feel like they showed a little too much of them. Or I disagree. Yeah. I disagree. I loved it. I thought it was fun. I loved seeing the little monsters. I loved seeing uh like different pieces of Cloverfield or Clover and not really knowing how they all work together and like where it all comes together as a cohesive being. I thought it was so fun and interesting. And then again, like, found footage is so forgiving when it comes to CGI that it just went off. I can appreciate that because it can also spend less on the budget for the camera and everything and put more into the other. I feel like one thing I do have to point out is not so much for the movie itself, but for, like, the military strategy and the pilots in here and everything. Why would you run alongside the way the monster's running directly along it? And then the whoever orders the bomb strikes basically have it bombed with a bunch of evacuation helicopters right by it. So it's like, what do you expect? You gotta hurry up. It's gonna retaliate. And it's gonna retaliate. They really did go to bombing really fast. Like, this has been going on for less than 12 hours, and they were like, well, New York's gone now. (laughs) Oh my god, yeah. They were like, what what was it, Michigan? Can't save it. Or hammer down. I know you said that this movie ended kind of abruptly that it was kind of short but it was exactly 80 minutes from opening to ending because that was like that's how long consumer tapes ran back then i can appreciate that is it manhattan that it takes place in um i thought it was new york city but i don't really know i'm gonna be honest to me manhattan and new york city looks exactly the same we saw the statue of liberty which is right off the city i think they soldiered and said well we've lost manhattan so i'm pretty sure that confirms they were just gonna nuke manhattan just manhattan no other neighboring cities they'll all be fine don't worry about it you know they'll move right back in (laughs) the head from the statue of liberty the trailer that originally came out Mm -hmm. it didn't say the title card yet it was just that scene of the statue of liberty's head rolling down the street but they made the head the same size as the statue of liberty head and people were really disappointed 
Because I guess you expect, you see, you look at the Statue of Liberty and you expect the head to be really big, and I guess it's not. So they had to scale it up by 50% to put it in the movie. So that's 1.5 times as big? Yeah. That's wild. I guess that's fair, though, because, like, I saw it in two scenes where it was laying out in the street, and I was like, damn, that's scary. Like, that really got me, but I can imagine if that was just, like, smaller, I would have been like, mm, yeah. Like, well, the head oh. was a little small. <laughs> But I also love the fact that with that crash, how quickly people turned to looting. They just... They were all like, oh, a monster's attacking New York City? I'm going to get this TV. <laughs> They're like, I know where I need to watch this news. I appreciate HUD though. Like, but I think it's, I think it's closed. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely not have gotten in their way. But then they end up stopping to watch the news themselves and they're all just like holding shit on their shoulders and like under their arms. I remember 2000, 2008 when you can still listen to voicemails even if you don't have service. You know. You remember the days? Those were the days. Where you just had access to your things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you have anything else that you're desperate to talk about? Oh, we didn't talk about Elaine's head exploding. I don't think it was her head. I think it was her body because we saw one of the bodies and they said we have a bite here and he had a, a, a hole in his stomach. So I think her chest and shoulder exploded. You think they just burst? Yeah, her head probably flew off. That's I would gnarly. love to have a camera inside that tent. See, that's what I always was confused about. Her death was like scary but confusing, and I just knew that it's because something... everybody was screaming. Yeah, well, and then it's, it's designed to stress you out. That's I agree, but like you also don't have a clear idea of what's going on. It's gonna be like I don't know if it's the head exploding, imploding. Is there like things coming out of it? And then I love how the lieutenant or whatever. I assume there's things coming out of it because everybody's really freaked and wanting to get her in an area by herself. So I bet something comes out of it. I bet like there's a little baby parasite. Like, dude, I just want, I want a whole movie just about like those nurses and CDC trying to manage the spread in that little department store off the subway. <laughs> you know, that was interesting. They just kind of, yeah, led into the mall and then they got caught. And I then... know I keep, I, I know I keep going back to this, but are, do subways just spit out directly into department stores? Like, is that a thing in New York? I, I don't know. I Again, I think it was to the basement of a mall and it somehow, like, I guess that might somehow make a little more sense. I, I have never been to the mall there, so I I've can't. I've never been to the mall. I've never been to the mall. When Elaine ends up dying, though, the lieutenant or sergeant or whatever, they end up just basically dragging them into the room next door. And they're like, sorry, there was nothing you could have done. And they just let them go. Yeah. And then he's like, like okay, guys, this is where bye, you're gonna go. be safe. Is your watch working? All right, be here at this time. Have a good one. Waves them on their way. <laughs> People, okay, so the soldiers in this movie and like police are so nonchalant. There is a cop at one point as everything's starting. And he's like, all right, guys, let's move along. Yeah, Come on, he's literally just file. like. Let's yeah, walk. when he starts asking questions, he's literally like, "You just got to keep it moving, guy. You just got to keep going." It's like he's he, there's, there's urgency, but minimal. I wonder to the extent that those types of extras understood what they were filming, um, because they were so secretive during the auditions. Uh, Lizzie, I don't remember her last name, but she's the girl who played Elaine. Oh, okay. So everybody who auditioned, uh, they they read scripts that weren't part of Cloverfield. They read like excerpts of Loss or uh, Alias, and then um, hmm. some scripts that were written just for the auditions. <laughs> the girl who plays Elaine thought that she was auditioning for a romance movie until her second round of auditions. And they wouldn't even tell her what she was doing still. 
And because of this movie, she still says that she will not audition for anything that she doesn't know what it is. Because apparently she hated filming this. <laughs> <laughs> why did, did she ever specify like the conditions or why she didn't like it? She said it was very physically demanding. There were a lot of other reasons I don't really remember, but I do remember her saying it was physically demanding. And when you watch that subway scene, you can tell. They're running around. They're like huffing and puffing. I can imagine I would be pretty exhausted myself. She's swinging at them with bats and then she gets taken down and then she has to get up and run. And I wonder, you have to think how many times they shot that scene before they got the perfect scene. That's a really good point, getting tackled and like thrown on the gravel and stuff, tossed around. I think... See, honestly, when it comes to Cloverfield, I can talk about this movie for hours. I fucking love this movie. See, I'm the exact opposite. I could talk all day about how I didn't like it. The other thing I was going to mention is the scene where the helicopter crashes and they end up dragging, is it the main character out of the... They drag him really far. So far, which <laughs> I appreciate. Like, hey, fires, explosions. I thought he was going to keep dragging him. I, I thought they were going to drag him to safety at that rate. I thought he was paralyzed. I was like, this I didn't is a know movie. what was happening. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It seems like we're right at the end and I want to go ahead and add just like a little piece of trivia that I find really funny to go ahead and ruminate on. So the opening party scenes, uh -huh. very beginning, those are all filmed without music. So you can still find clips of that before post-production and added all the music in. And <laughs> everyone's like pretending to dance and silence and then pretending to have conversations with each other because they weren't allowed to actually talk out loud. All of that noise was just added in post. Oh, so that would have been super awkward to shoot, I feel like. I'll like, show you a clip of it later because it's actually really uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> I would love to see that. Absolutely. And it almost ruins the scene for you, honestly. Like if anybody listening hasn't already seen the movie, definitely watch the movie before watching the scene because you won't be able to watch. Yeah, that watch would be super <laughs> cringy at that point. I feel like I wouldn't want to see that. <laughs> I've seen this movie countless times. I love this movie. I'll watch it again. I'll watch it right now if you let me put it back on. I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, we're going to have to watch. We're going to have to watch the second one. I feel Ten like Cloverfield Lane I like and them. Oh, I hated the second one too. The third one's my favorite though out of the series. Which is weird because you don't like gore. No, but I feel like it has the trippiest fun concept. That's fair. That's fair. Well, we better get started if we're going to finish all three of them today. <laughs> okay. So overall, what do you think about the movie? Out of five. Overall, if I would have to rate Cloverfield one out of five, I would probably have to give it a two. I'd say that the Bummer. overall camera work, pretty shoddy. I it's would say. footage. Yeah, but like even. And HUD even said. He was not a professional. <laughs> he made that very clear. But I feel like Quarantine did a much better job overall with the camera, even though I'm not a fan of found footage either way. I don't agree. I think it was, was that guy's job, and he didn't do a very good job at it. Touche. HUD was very committed. He kept the camera with him pretty mm -hmm. much throughout for almost no reason. And he had um, great zoom. Fair. He definitely kind of knew what he was doing, at least with the zoom, so I'll respect that. But overall, two out of five. Um, I would probably have to say quarantine from a found footage perspective was better for me, but I think Cloverfield has a story I can get. To, did you also rate quarantine two out of five? Maybe. I believe it was something like that, either two out of five or three out of five. Quarantine, I feel like overall camera work. You did work, not give quarantine three out of five. I don't know. It'd be remember. a whole day in hell before you give that more than half. 
I think Quarantine had a better camera guy, but I think Cloverfield had a story that I would rather watch. I disagree with you. I, I like Aliens better. I don't like Infection. That scares me. I think I think Quarantine's a scary movie. But honestly, I fucking love Cloverfield. I love Clo- Cloverfield so much, and it gets so many nostalgia points for me. I'm giving it, I'm giving it a 3 out of 5. I like it more than Quarantine. Okay, fair enough. 3 out of 5. Did I give... What did I give Quarantine? I think I only gave that a 2.5. Something like that. Because the screaming for Quarantine for me took a lot off, but we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're still here, thank you so much for listening. If you want more, you can find us at stage666.us or stage666podcast on both Twitter and Tumblr. Thank you again, and remember, horror is where the heart is.